Hey y'all, this is Seba, the Southern Fried Witch, and this is episode one of season two. Y'all, I'm so sorry that I did not warn you of my impending absence over the last three months. I'm not sure that I knew that I was going to take a hiatus. Although I should have thought it out because it was high growing season, it was COVID, it still is COVID, my family moved in. And we really needed all the energy we could muster to get through the last three months. I kept meaning to say something about it, and I kept thinking, I'll pull through. I don't know if any of y'all have that kind of syndrome about how strong you might be. And so the weeks became months. It's not fair, and I wish I hadn't done it that way. However, one of the things that it taught me is to know my limitations and respect when my energy needs to go in a different direction. So, from now on, the months of June, July, and August are going to be off months. I'll break it down into seasons, but it's a little too much. I still work from home, I still teach online, and then add on to that running a tribe, all these chickens, (laughs) and growing okra, and canning pears, It's a little bit too much. And y'all remember that I said at the beginning of all this that if it ever wasn't any fun, I was going to have to cut it off. Well, it got like that. I don't want this to ever feel like a chore that I have to do. So we're going to start off like this. I'm going to intend to go all the way to May of 2021. I don't usually want to skip months or anything, y'all, but doesn't that sound suddenly hopeful May of 2021. Yeah. So I'm sure that you all know it's been rough because it's been rough on all of you. I don't even remember where I left off. I rarely listen to my own podcast, so I don't know. But I assume it was somewhere in the thick of all of my youngins growing up and moved into the house and us trying to make it. The garden did go well, in case you were wondering still is kind of going well. Those peppers don't know how to die. I got the spineless variety of okra this year, and I want to tell y'all right now, don't do that. The only upshot to it is it stays tender as it gets really long, if you forget about it, and you don't go down there for a day or two. But I don't know if it was the fertilizer I put down this year, or magic, or this variety, but I'm going to go with this variety. I have a 20-foot tall high tunnel, and the okra is now 20 foot tall, and I can't reach. So, I don't know. Doesn't seem very feasible. I need the shorter old-fashioned Alabama okra, I reckon. And I grew Caribbean peppers, Caribbean fish peppers, and y'all should look those out. They're rare. They're not rare around here. I must have overseeded because we have about 25 plants, and they're cool. But their heat ratio is a little bit much for this old gal, and uh, I could have used a lot more sweet peppers. So that was a lot of fun. The pear tree that we did not expect 
to do as well as she did considering her age. Well, that and a lack of any activity out of her for the last couple of years was so laden down with fruit it broke off limbs and kept me busy for about two months of dehydration and I made pear honey, which was absolutely wonderful and all kinds of goodies. And then I had figs and they went nuts. And I preserved those in wine, y'all, port wine. And it is such a treat in the winter. Other things have happened, too. We're getting much closer to my first grandchild being born. And she's being born in the house. At least, that's what we're hoping on. The kids made a qualified decision after much thought and just did not want to risk COVID. Of course, we're on a limited income and we're still attempting to gather the funds for it. We're about halfway there. I've go-funded my butt off. But we really do like the midwife. She's got her head on solid. She wears masks. She's from California, but I dig her. And my precious daughter-in-law has not had to go in to buildings like for their lab work and stuff because this angel of mercy comes to our house and takes the blood work. It's just our way. This is the way we're going to do it. We have had a little bit of kickback about it, but Y'all, women have been birthing babies at the house for eons. I think we're going to be all right. And we're only about eight minutes away from the hospital. It'll be fine. It does just tickle me to death that that precious little angel's going to take our first breath here. It also tickles me to death and I'm going to get to see it. Because as y'all well know, you can't do that if you go to the hospital. So we're tickled pink. And I'm sorry I did not share with y'all all the way down. You know, I was feeling like I had begun to ramble, and while a little bit of that is okay, when my ramblings started to feel like screams, I just had to stop. I needed my own energy for this family who will always come first in my life. I don't know if y'all can hear those tiny little birds behind me, but I've gone and done it now. Ever since I started chickening, y'all, I have wanted Saramas. Saramas are the tiniest chicken in the whole entire world. And they lay pretty good, too. Little legs, adorable. And a friend of mine, who had always known I wanted Saramas, had brought me one little chick all by herself in the world, nobody else to be there for. And I was just over the moon. I named her Skeeter from that movie and that book, The Help. I just love that character, so I named her Skeeter. But it really led me to start grappling with a hard decision. You see, like having any baby, you're never ready. You can think you are, you can save up, you can try to steady yourself up, but I wasn't ready. And that even made things worse. And little chickens, oh no, all chickens need other chickens, or they don't learn how to, well, be a chicken. And Skeeter screams all day, and I have to go get her out. I open up the top, and she flies up, and she sits on my shoulder like a parrot. And she won't move, not from me. And if I try to leave the room and put her on a chair and leave her with my son, she screams. She's imprinted horribly, and I needed to consider that, that she didn't have anybody to buddy up with. And that kind of led me to the beginning of some really weird and tough decisions. And that's what we're going to talk about today, y'all. We're going to talk about hard decisions. I don't know how spiritual y'all are, but 
I have a very close relationship with my big mama. We kind of have an agreement. I'm a tough head. My grandma used to call me Taterhead, and it's not just because my head's rather large, y'all. It's because I'm kind of an Aries. <laughs> okay, I'm really an Aries. Sometimes I know exactly what I want when I want it, and somebody's going to have to nearly knock me over with a bulldozer. But sometimes I'm really resistant to making a decision. And I want time to think it out. And if it's the right decision, Big Mama's got my back. And by that, I mean she's putting both hands on it and shoving me into the damn canyon. Of course, when I get down there, it's everything I ever wanted. But you get the idea. And here I was. We had always dreamed of Saramas. And uh, there's not hardly anybody around here breeding Saramas. And I had one in my lap. So... I did kind of the unthinkable, considering how our post office is doing these days. I ordered fertile eggs. No, I've done this in the past. One time I ordered 32 with a friend of mine, and we had a forehead hatch, and that was it. Another time I ordered six, and one hatched. There are all kinds of reasons for this, but if y'all ever decide you want to do this kind of thing... You need to remember that we can't control how the box is thrown around and the conditions they're in, the temperature they're kept at, air sacs being completely dislocated, all kinds of nonsense. So when I ordered these Sarama eggs, I did specifically so for Skeeter. It just was breaking my heart. I didn't have any other bird that would do. She was fully feathered out at a whopping three inches tall. Yeah. I know, you know, like an adolescent chicken, but she wasn't going to get much bigger. And any of the little chicks I had were just too tender. Even if they were the same size, they could have been accidentally mauled by her jumping around. Because of her size and because of her already being feathered out, I couldn't put her with anybody. So I decided to raise out her own kind. Now, the way things go, uh, the moment you finally make a decision like this, I was going to buy these eggs, I accidentally ran into the Alabama State champion of Sarama. This particular chicken farmer was three and a half hours away, but he said to me that he would sell me some baby chicks. Now, I had not left this house. COVID has made me very... um, Well, I'm already agoraphobic, so I reckon I'm just a cave woman now. But it was important, my husband said. It was important, and they were champions. We were going to make the three-and-a-half-hour trek, and so we did. And when we got there, he had changed his mind. He no longer wanted to sell us chicks because, and you've got to think about it, he wants a hold of the market around here. Plus, they, you know, win blue ribbons every year. I don't really blame him. But he didn't think I had any money. And on the way out the door, there was this tiny, tiny little rooster stuck in a cage. And it really did break my heart the way it was being treated with a tiny little hen. And every time I walked away from that particular section, and there were a lot of birds. Let's not discuss my feelings on the way they were kept because they're not pretty. And I'm going to have to say ugly words. Anyhow, I tried to walk away. And every time I did, this little shit-and-go would scream. Not crow, scream. 
And then he put his little claws right there on that front gate, trying to hold it and looked me dead in the eye. Well, I made an agreement with him that one way or the other, I was not leaving without him. I am so glad I didn't end up in, you know, the county jail over this, because that could have happened. I asked the guy how much he'd take for him. I'm not going to tell y'all what I did. (laughs) He didn't think I had that much, because, you know, my grandma taught me a long time ago how to handle something like a yard sale or buying a car, and you go ahead and tell him just hardly anything. You make that number real low, and I did. So he uh, just about doubled the price of what he thought I had, and I said, done. And he looked shocked, and he tried to close the door on the, on the coop while that little angel screamed and screamed for me. And I said, no, no, your word is your bond. A deal is a deal. I'm taking those chickens home. Of course, my husband and I are broke now. And on the way out the door, I went ahead and took an extra hen just to really piss him off. All the way home, I kept telling him, y'all don't have to be in your own poop anymore. Y'all don't have to smell like this. And what do you mean you only get to eat once a day? Y'all should have seen me blow-drying a chicken after a bath. By the way, we named him Preacher. His girls are Abilene and Minnie. They're going to sit on beautiful, beautiful, clean hay. And their lives are going to be good. You know, I just cannot reconcile the way they were being treated. I suppose I could be more understanding about the whole damn thing. Someone who's raising anything for blue ribbons, I just assumed they would give more of a damn. But there it is. We brought him on home, and he was six months old and already riding, and the girls were two years old and already laying. There was no longer any need in those eggs I had purchased. (laughs) Did y'all hear that? (laughs) I have a new rooster out back. He has something to say. So I did what I should have been able to easily do. I contacted the lady I bought the um, eggs from, the Ohio State champion. And I said, you know, halt. I I don't need them anymore. If you haven't shipped them yet, don't do it. Well, she had just took up and for no reason that even she understood, had overnighted them to me, which rarely happens in chicken world. And it was too late to stop them. So the same night I brought home my new champion Saramas, I had to put 11 eggs into an incubator. Like the decision had been made for me. None of those were born two days ago. So within two weeks, a skeeter landed in my lap, my very first Sarama ever. I had a total of 13. Now isn't that a fun... <laughs> I can't get him to hush. Isn't that a fun number for a witch? But see, I think that a lot of folk really do believe that witches are always just a casting for themselves. And when these kinds of things happen, even some witches will take all that upon their own ego. Look how good I am. Hell no. No, no, no. I have an agreement with the trees. I have Big Mama behind me. I have my spirituality as close as I can get to right, and I skid my knees all the time, but my heart's in the right place. And magic just happens when you soften the ground right. And I have to tell you, I have to be a little careful about hollering out what I wish I had. Real careful. I forgot to tell you that the night before and on the way up there, I kept trying to cancel going to get those Saramas. 
It was my husband who wouldn't let me do it. He said it was meant to be. I'd love to say that none of this was planned, except, you know, for all those nights I sat on the porch with my husband over the last year, wishing that I could grow ceramas, wishing we had ceramas, knowing we can't afford to build another damn coop. Well, something was listening. Gotta be careful what you wish for. But I suppose all these moments and I just discussed are places in which decisions are being made for us, right? Well, at least for me. I'd already made a decision and tried to back out of it and the world said no. There are other situations in which the decision being made for us is not a good thing. And it's usually because we have sat on it too long. You think about when I just sort of sat on what to do about this podcast while the world was burning. My kids needed me. I was stressed and exhausted. And, you know, it kind of got made for me. That's not a good idea. It would have been much better to have made that decision with a little bit of forethought. Now, I'm not going to beat myself up too bad. There's something called decision shaming. Well, at least it's called that in my house that I do not like. You know, it's one thing to say to someone you love, hey, you you really have sat on this long enough to have, you know, incubated a chicken. You need to make a decision on X, Y, Z. And yes, inevitably, if you don't, the decision does get made for you one way or the other. But sometimes it takes folks a little bit of time to really hammer it out. I know y'all are sick of chicken stories, but this is my first day back, and let's just go tender on me, okay? I know you know about Harriet, if you've paid any attention or ever read my, uh, my blog. She is my favorite chicken. I adore her. I don't think she's an actual chicken. And she had all those babies last December. But I'm trying to actually breed cochins. And I can't have this mix, you know, this silky coaching mix in there right now. Not if we're going to make any money on it. And I don't mean to make a lot of money. Not that I could. I just mean to make enough money to pay for their food. So recently I had to make a decision to sell those. You know, they're nine months old or so. And they're incorporated in the flock and they're laying eggs. And it was time to let them go. And I kind of made a big girl moment. Bit the bullet and gave them away. I don't know, there was something about selling them I couldn't do. I figure if I was giving them away, I could guilt the person (laughs) or beg the person into taking very good care of them indeed. This person now has a total of one, two, three, six of my little surprise there are chickens everywhere moment from last winter. And I cried a little bit as they left the yard, but it was a decision I needed to make. Nobody was going to make it for me. And I couldn't move on with a dream until I made this decision. And sometimes there are really big ones right in front of you. And they are completely in the way of the dream. I mean, it's really, at the end of the day, up to us. Sometimes, not always. There are some decisions. Let's not even get into the extremities of it. But there are some decisions that we can make that can clear the path. Imagine that you're walking through the woods and there's this beautiful piano. I mean, it's absolutely gorgeous. What a piano right there in the middle of that path. But you cannot get to your new home unless you do something with this piano. 
Should you stop and maybe play on it a little while? Absolutely. Absolutely. But you're going to have to make a decision. It's not necessarily destroy it, but it may be leave it behind. You see where I'm going? Well, I didn't think I was going to go very deep today, but I am. And bat children, if y'all are sick of hearing me ramble on about chickens, I'm sure there's another subject you don't want to hear about again. But I don't give a damn. It's my podcast, and this is one of the biggest decisions I ever had to make and one of the most painful ones. There are a good top three. Um, we're going to deal with only one. All right. I cannot spend the entirety of this particular podcast explaining the situation with me and my mother. It really would take too long. I've considered writing a book, but, you know, she's still living. Let's just say that from the moment I was about 14, 13 or 14, I have been kicked out or disowned in some fashion four to five times. I'm trying to be fair here on this number. It might have been more, maybe one less, but it was somewhere in the area of four to five times. Now, she has three other children. It's never happened with them. One of them has definitely enjoyed the company of drug use, affairs, all kinds of fun things. But, you know, as the black sheep goes, we will carry the blunt. And my mother kicked me out for everything. Oh, my goodness. I was always terrified that I would be shunned again. I'm thinking of one of the smaller times, one of the times that never made any sense. And right before it, she had almost put her foot completely down on me dating a Mexican-American. I'm in my 30s at this point. That never mattered how old I was. And I was horribly shamed. And the bigotry was pretty intense. They will always cheat. You know, things like that. And uh, I did end that relationship made a bad decision. Not in the end, but the reasons I ended the relationship were wrong. I ended up with the right man. I should have never let my mother dictate who and who I shouldn't date. I don't know if that makes any sense. It should make sense though, y'all. But there were other times too. Times she didn't like something I said, but I didn't know about it right away. And I would find out when I got home from going to see her at Christmas. I'd find out when I called her to tell her, thank you, we had a lovely time, we're home safe. And she would say, I'm done with you. (laughs) And that was how I found out. Of course, in that last instance, my sisters were sitting beside her, so it was all kinds of, of family love going there. But it happened over and over. It was uh, quite traumatizing. In fact, it led me to almost have some sort of strange PTSD. Sometimes it'd be years before she would speak to me again. Sometimes it'd be months. But I never knew. It just depended. Had I finally done something that she thought was worthy? Was I repentant because I had deemed to make her angry? I don't remember anymore. And honestly, I don't want to wallow too much in those waters because it's not good for my mental health. But I do know that it really messed me up when it comes to women. And it's very difficult for me to have a a close relationship. Trust issues, if you will. And while she pulled this several times, I think at least twice, if not three, 
after my children were born and had become attached to her and, and the rest of the family and didn't understand the family dynamic. The very last time she did, I remember sitting there in my bed, crying, reading the new letter that had told me that she was gently closing the door on me again. This time, it had to do with my blog, my witch blog. And while she had claimed to be a witch multiple times, half of her life had gone to school for parapsychology and done all kinds of work in that field. And even though all that was documented, she was embarrassed. She wanted it to stop. But this time, this time was that piano, this beautiful piano in the middle of a road to a journey. I needed to keep going. And I love this piano. (laughs) But it wasn't just that I was getting hurt again and that I knew a little bit in my heart if I did everything she wanted again, close down my blog, apologize for humiliating her, be something that I could never be long enough, then she would have come back and I would have been granted favor again. As far as I can go, after all, I am Cinderella. (laughs) But it was the kids. You know, my kids were older. And it was humiliating. But it wasn't just that. I didn't want them to see me lay down like that. They respected me. Well, at least the boys did. They looked to me for guidance on how to be treated. And here I was. Oh, here I was in my 40s. Being told again by my mama I wasn't good enough and to go to my room. I had to give up my spirituality, or I would not be able to be part of this family anymore. Now, if I had let her done that, can you imagine what my boys would have thought? Oh, not of me. They would have thought that that is okay to do. They would have thought it's not okay to fight anyone who is taking away your very identity. They would have learned a whole other lesson out of me about walking lockstep. There are a lot of forms of abuse out there, y'all. The kind I suffered, well, I've suffered almost all kinds, but that particular kind, that takes away your spirit. And I was on a journey. And yes, I was going to lose my job. I did. They found out. The blog was illuminated and I was done for. I'd suit the pants off of them, though. Here's the thing. I sat there crying holding that letter like it was this beautiful piano covered in moss and this gorgeous old secret pathway through the woods. It was the piano I loved. The piano I let fill my heart with its music every time I walked into it. I believed until that moment that I was not worthy. And when I would see it, I would play on those heartstrings of hers in the middle of that woods to become real again. Just to become real again. You know, she used to tell me all the time that I wasn't real. There was a snapshot of my husband and I. She did approve of him for half a minute until she found out he was pagan. And in this snapshot, I'm looking at the fire and he's looking at me. And she wrote on this photo on Facebook, this is before her little letter of closing the door again, she said, and then she was loved and it made her real. 
Y'all, I'm gonna reserve those words that come to mind. I suppose one should not call their mother those kinds of words. Let's just say that what I did do was I ran into this photo again. You know, on one of those timeline hop things. Those things are cruel. (laughs) Those things are so cruel, especially after you lose someone. And so I ran into this photo and saw that. And it was well after I'd been defriended on Facebook and the door had been closed to me forever. The piano had been put down in the path. And I saw that comment. And I suppose since I hadn't blocked her, she could still see what I wrote back. So I wrote back. And underneath that comment, I said, you know what, Mama? I was always real. I was real all along. You just didn't see it. And it sure doesn't take a man to make me real. Well, you know, she blocked me then, but I factor that's the last thing I ever said to that woman. What I'm trying to say is, I suppose badly, and I'm out of shape over here, (laughs) what I'm trying to say is, hard decisions are sometimes caused by not wanting to let go. It's a beautiful thing in the woods, in your way, and something that is familiar And you've loved it. And you don't know how to get away from it sometimes, you know? It's like the sirens singing. You're drawn right in. And there I stood. And then I manifested a hatchet. And I pulled that thing up behind me with the hardest swing I've ever swung. And cracked that son of a bitch right in half. I still love the remains. I still love the wreckage. But that thing was never going to be placed in my way again. And I would never play on it, not to get loved again. I wrote back to her. Well, I said a lot of things. But one of the things I said was, You've closed the door on me again. I would like it nailed shut. I will always love you. But I'm done. I knew that when I did it, that I was shutting the door on my brother and my sisters, my nieces, my nephews. My mother sort of runs a little bit of a cult, you see. Whatever she says goes. It was the toughest decision of my entire life. Yes, I'm thinking about one that I thought was tougher. But as I look back, no, no, this one was it. I've been in love with this woman since I was a baby. She smelled so good. She was so pretty. She was so charismatic. And I loved her so But I'm not playing that fucking song again. It ripped me to shreds every time. And it was just a bad look for my kids. They needed to be taught that, yes, it hurts to have a small family. It really does. But anyone who is asking for your identity or depends upon you cowering on the ground to stay your friend, to stay your family, to stay in your life, That song may be beautiful, but honey, it's a siren song, and it will lead you right to your death. The decision was hard, but the journey was worth it. I don't know if any of y'all are ever facing any kind of decisions like this. It may not be, but sometimes when you think a decision is either this or that, what you're forgetting is that you literally could just... (laughs) change the story, manifest an axe, and be done with it. All right, I'm going to close it down. 
I haven't edited a podcast in a hot minute. I have no idea how many days this is going to take me. I hope y'all are studying up for Maybon, and I hope that you are hanging in there. I know how lonely it is. Don't think just because I have a couple of family members over here that I don't know. I miss hugs. I miss happiness. I miss that kind of freedom that comes with walking into your favorite watering hole and having a really nice glass of wine. I get it. But let's stay alive. What do you think? Just another minute. I want to check out 2021. What if it's better? And we won't know. We got to get there. Let's just remove all the albatrosses in our way. What do you say? Love y'all. Talk to you next week. Blessed be. Y'all have been listening to the Southern Fried Witch Podcast. Come back around next week for a little bit more magic from the deep south.